0: Welcome to the Follow the Yogi podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Santana, a recovering people-pleasing type A personality turned sacred rebel. Join me each week for my viewpoint on yoga concepts through the eyes of this 35-year practitioner, yoga teacher, yoga mom, yoga woman, and saucy rebel. The topics that we cover have to do with yoga, but they're incredibly broad because we apply the concepts of yoga to every single part of our life and to the many roles that we play in this life. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Follow the Yogi. Hey everybody, I'm going to take a little sidetrack, not be so serious in this podcast, and list 10 things about hot yoga that I've noticed, wondering if you've noticed them too. So sit back and just enjoy. Number one, you're going to come to the practice because of some void in your life. Either your current studio broke down or you're heartbroken or you want to lose weight or your friend looks happy AF and you want to know what she's doing to get there, barring any drugs of course. And we're still open to that. But you're going to come to your practice because something is missing in what you're doing right now. It doesn't mean that it's valid. It doesn't mean that yoga is going to fill up that hole. But it does mean that because of something that's not going great in your life. You're looking, you're seeking. Number two, it's going to feel like you don't know up, down, your left from your right. It's like you don't even understand the English language because the teacher says right leg forward. And I don't know, everybody has a different right leg when they first start doing yoga. And it kind of feels like, is this yoga? Is this yoga? How about now? Is this yoga? Am I yoga-ing now? It's this period of learning something new, not quite sure what you're doing, why you're doing it, and it's you know confusing, but funny at the same time. Especially since at first we're not aware that there's so many different lineages, so many different styles, over a hundred, by the way. Number three, if you're taking hot yoga, You are going to sweat like you have never sweat in your life. I remember when I first started yoga, it was in an air-conditioned room, but the first time I took a hot yoga class, after about 20 years of doing non-heated yoga, uh, I walked into the room and yes, it was warm, but I felt confident in the fact that I've never sweat that much. I'll be on the treadmill, I'll be working out with weights. I used to do cross and field in South Florida in like 95 degree heat. And I sweat, but eh, not the way these folks are talking about. So I didn't even know to bring a traction towel. And then 10 minutes into class, holy Toledo, the floodgates just open up. My mat feels like a slip and slide because I didn't have a traction towel. And now I'm trying to not pop my shoulder out of its joint because I'm trying to grip onto the mat like, like, like death. Um, every time I went upside down, true story, I felt like I was drowning because if you're well endowed, perspiration is going to pool. I'll just call it your sternum. And when you go upside down, that shit starts going up your nose, in your eyes, and literally inversions for a while. Sometimes they still are. You're blinded by the water that is just rushing in the opposite direction. This leads me to number four. If you're well endowed, some poses are going to feel like you're literally suffocating yourself. Your boobs will end up on your chin, on your throat, in your nose, in the way. Sometimes I literally have to lift them up to be able to turn in any particular direction to twist into a pose. It actually becomes quite comical because it's logistics, you know, um, revolve chair pose. Okay grab my right boob with my left hand, lift it up as I inhale, exhale, twist to the left, and tuck that arm right to the side of my boob. Ah, here I am. In my conversations with my brogies, they experience the same thing just a little further down south. They need to move the furniture depending on what's going on. Eagle pose, chair pose, those are just some of their favorites. Not where they actually have to move stuff around but they're they are epic at it you wouldn't even know it's happening kudos number five you will at some point be incredibly attached to one place in the room for a multitude of reasons but you'll find yourself if you're going late or getting late to class you'll be like i hope nobody took my spot i hope nobody took my spot that's my favorite spot I hope nobody told you, I've seen people literally almost get into a fist fight because of a spot. For me, it used to be right next to my teacher. I'd wiggle my way in between two people if there was somebody was already there. But usually I'd get there an hour before, lay down my mat, go do something else just to make sure that I had that spot. It could be next to the door that's your favorite spot because in your mind, it's cooler there. It could be next to your teacher to make sure that you could hear every single thing. It could be all the way in the back in the hopes that nobody sees you. Or it could be in the front row. That way you don't have anybody in front of you. It doesn't matter. Just mark my words. You will have one day a spot that's your favorite. And when someone is sitting in it, you're going to be like, number six, You will have a favorite teacher. You'll put this teacher up on a pedestal. This teacher can do no wrong, but then one day they will fall from grace. One day you'll find out they're human. They have issues. They could possibly be a hot mess in their personal life. Any number of things. Maybe they said the one thing that really peeled a scab off for you. And you didn't like that. Maybe you got alternating information from another teacher, kind of proving that your teacher didn't know nearly as much in your mind's eye. I promise you, you will have a teacher that you absolutely adore. And you may always adore that teacher, but eventually that teacher will fall from grace and you'll start being able to open up to other teachers. But that first love, honestly, is the best. So pure. Number seven. You'll start seeing the benefits of yoga once you start perfecting some poses. You'll be able, possibly, to put your shoe on standing on one leg. No issue there. You don't have to sit on the bed anymore. You'll be able to hover, ladies especially, in a public dirty restroom when you just have to do number one and you can't hold it any longer. Because of chair pose, you'll be able to safely be able to hover, with enough control. You won't even spray. You won't even leave a mess. And you'll be able to hold on to those, um, handles in buses and subways, right? I'm vertically challenged. I'm only five, three. So reaching up sometimes all the way up there. I don't know what they made. They made those things for really tall men. I'm just saying, but you'll be able to reach up and extend and comfortably hold yourself up. And one of my favorites Because you will have developed an incredible amount of core control, when that bus stops or starts, you're glued to the floor. You're not even moving. It's like you're Spider-Man and you're glued to the floor. That's how much control you have with your core. Number eight, you're going to find yourself in the yoga room in one of two scenarios, possibly both. One, you're going to need to fart and you're going to hold that baby in all class long or you're going to be next to a map mate that had too much broccoli the day before and chooses not to hold it in during the whole class. In fact, it's like a party going on right next to you. It's absolutely normal for both of these scenarios. For those of us that hold it in as much as we possibly can, sometimes we wait for that moment where things are a little bit more relaxed and we think we can just squeak one out, but... Inevitably, that's when the music's going to change. That's the one time during the whole class that the teacher's not talking, the music's not playing, and it feels like the sound of it now was multiplied, bouncing off of every single wall, and it feels like everybody knows that it was you. But keep a stoic face. Chances are nobody knows where it came from, even if they know that it happened. Number nine, washing your hair will not be as much of a priority as it used to be. Listen, I used to be a hair girl. I used to have my hair did every single day, washed it every single day, blow dried it every single day. Today, my bun or putting my hair up in a clip is my favorite friend. True story. One of the reasons I grew out my bangs was not because it looked best on me. It's because it just went up easier in a bun. No flyaways, no mess, no fuss. And I always have at least two auxiliary cans of dry shampoo. I call it now, hashtag bun life. Number 10, I promise that these thoughts, maybe not all of them, all in one time, but eventually all of these thoughts are going to come into your mind. Here we go. This is me in hot yoga class. I'm killing it. I love this pose. Shit. This is hard. I'm dying. Oh, my fave. I love this song not another lunge. How hot is it in here? Is it normal for any human being to sweat this much? This has to have already been an hour. Shavasana, please. Ah, I love yoga. And then you come back for it again. Number 10, you may ebb and flow in and out of your practice. We call these black periods and they're absolutely normal. But what happens is we drive ourselves absolutely insane. We first get so pumped up about our practice that we go balls to the walls with it. We do it two, three, four, true story, five times a day, every single day of the week. We figure more is better. And at first, yeah, but over time, that is not sustainable. And there's a huge possibility of us burning ourselves out. Then one day, something happens where you can't get to the yoga room. You start feeling all of this remorse and this guilt, and you start kind of flogging yourself mentally because you didn't go to your practice. And if you don't go for one day, then it's the end of the world. And then you think, oh, the next day comes and maybe you don't go again. And little by little, you start peeling away from the practice because you figure you think, You assume, you perceive that it's gonna be too hard to get back into it. Then one day, you're gonna have another void in your life, and you're gonna step into the yoga room again. And I call that the V8 moment. Like, I should have had a V8, like that commercial. Where once you get back on the mat, you think, wow, why did I even leave it? Why did I make it out to be something so big, so scary, so unattainable? I had a black period. That literally lasted two years as a new mom and suffering from depression. I didn't have any child care at that time. I literally could not get into the yoga room. And I built this up in my head so, so big. Then one day on one of my birthdays, when my daughter finally went to pre-K three or four, I finally got back in the yoga room and I never left. Because even with all of the things, all of the jokes, all of the funny things that happen, whether it's the drowning or the farting or the moving of the furniture, no matter what, that moment, that time on my mat is absolute heaven. It might feel like a lot of effort physically, but what's happening deep down inside at the energy levels is extraordinary. I kind of went off of the beaten path a little bit, tried to put some humor into the podcast to bring the point home that, listen, this is yoga, but it's also yoga. I put a little bit of light into this because I don't want us to take this practice so seriously that it becomes all-encompassing that if we don't do what we think is the quote unquote right thing or quote unquote, what we should do, by the way, my mom used to always tell me, Vicki, don't should all over yourself. The practice actually gets stagnant, boring. It becomes an obligation. Find humor in yourself, not in others. As you go down this path, honestly, As the layers get peeled away, we still have the option for something to be enjoyable or unenjoyable. Laugh as often as possible. You're not laughing at yourself. You're valid, you're extraordinary, you're divine, you're more than enough. No, we're laughing at the simplicity of the practice of how it peels away layers to expose that part of ourselves that is whole and complete already we don't have to worry about the practice we don't have to obligate ourselves put pressure on ourselves i swear the only thing that we need to do is show up and stay vigilant the practice takes care of everything so yogis find some humor along the way send me some suggestions on things that you've that have happened to you that you've experienced only your practice not other people's practices let's share this yogic stage together and take time to laugh because laughter is so good for the soul thank you for your time and check in next time for another episode of follow the yogi